Good morning. Good morning. Well, um, as we start this morning, I just want to introduce Steve here. Steve Hamps, you know him as Steve. <laughs> but uh, anyway, he's, he's been retired now for nine years, and he's got 13 grandkids. That's a little bit of something I want to share. <laughs> so I believe he stays pretty busy with 13 grandkids. And uh, anyway, um, uh, to me, Steve is a, he's a good example as, as, a, you know, as a godly man. And um, anyway, I appreciate and call your friend. Thank you. And Dale Compton, we are indeed good friends. We have a tremendous thing in common. We have a lot of things in common. <laughs> yeah. He's a driving a semi-truck through the night, and he loves it. Uh, I'm not sure if he loves it because of the drive, but he listened to podcast, Christian podcast, all night long, and he's a witness going down the road when they have uh, group talks from time to time. And uh, we have spent, uh, we, we just love interacting with one another. When we get to church, we start talking. And we've been talking about this for a month. And we were texting. Uh, while I was on vacation, we were uh, texting and we were phone calling. We got together face to face. So we've been blessed. Right. It's up to you if you're blessed or not. But uh, he is perfect that's all right. the time. And so that's where we go. Um, and we're going to offer our prayer here, and then we'll uh, dismiss the blast. So glad you're here. <clears throat> Father, um, we adore you, and we appreciate of who you are, the supreme God. Father, I pray, Lord, that you just open our minds and our hearts that we can accept and receive what you have us to today. And we submit ourselves to you this morning. And uh, uh, we just praise you and worship you, Father. And Father, we confess that um, we're broken people, that we have failed as individuals, we've failed as, as a church, and we ask for your forgiveness. We ask that uh, uh, the times we've missed the mark, the times we've stepped over the line, we've made mistakes, we thank you for your grace of forgiveness, and that's where we're at today. Thank you for your blessing uh, through the obstacles that we've seen this week, and we confess that you're God and you're perfect. And we thank you, Lord, for who you are, that you are our God, and that you uh, supply our needs, and Lord, that you love us that um, beyond all recognition, Lord, that sometimes we don't even see how much you, uh, that you love us and, and the gifts that you give us. And Father, we submit to you. Um, we hope to do the right things, and so we're yielding to you. We're praying that your word would be, be uh, penetrating into our hearts, uh, that Dale and I will be set aside. Uh, and so we yield to you to lead us through your Holy Spirit, not only now but through this week as we interact with our community. We ask it for the sake of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, we have one objective uh, today between us, that we see the, the power of God through faithful people. And we're going to be studying Elijah. Elijah takes up like five chapters in Kings, and we're only going to do just one small amount. And we're going to, if you, it, we're going to be in um, Kings 16, 29. That's where we're going to start. 
And it actually covers five chapters, and we're just going to do a smackling of that. And we have a volunteer reader to read 16, beginning at verse 29. In the 38th year of Asia, King of Judea, Ahab, son of Omri, became king over Israel. Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel and Samaria 22 years. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, died evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And it came to pass, as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of the son of Nath, that he took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ephbaal, king of the Sidonians, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more, no, did not did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Thank you. Dale's going to set the scene. That was a lot of names, a lot of countries and that, so tell us what's going on here a little bit. Okay, uh, as we start with Elijah, uh, Elijah's is, uh, the meaning is, the Lord is my God, or my God is Yahweh. So in his name, the message is there. So anyway, he was the most prominent prophet of his time, and it, it was, a, this, he was a prophet during 800 75 to 850 BC, and if there was a hall of fame of prophets, Elijah's there. Um, Elijah confronted the evil king Ahab and Queen Jezebel when they tried to establish Baal worship in Israel as, as the prime, prime religion. Elijah's great faith in God through prayer gave him the confidence that God would ensure, which was uh, and that also gave him his boldness. His time with, with prayer gave him his strength and his boldness. He was appeared in, in uh, the New Testament. He was in, found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke in Transfiguration. When Jesus went on top of the mountain, he appeared there in Transfiguration. So he, was, he appeared and was witnessed by Peter, James, and John. Uh, and he also, they, some people believe that he's going to come back again in the end in Revelations 11. They th think that he's going to be one of the witnesses in that. King Ahab, it was, he was the eighth king after King David, which was about 100 years from King David. He was, as it was read, he was the most wicked king of them all. He provoked God more than, to anger than any king before him. Uh, from a secular view, he was very successful. He did a lot of rebuilding of cities, and he was a powerful ruler. From a spiritual view, he was uh, the uttermost failure whose unwise choice of a pagan wife and whose rejection of the Lord brought the people great suffering and loss. What do, Jezebel. What do we know about that wife? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she wasn't a very good lady. <laughs> and was her name from? was Jezebel. Where was she from? Um, Sidon. Yep, yeah, I remember you was telling me that. <laughs> uh, anyway, she was, uh, she was very wicked too. She was the wicked queen of, of uh, King Ahab and she was dedicated to replace the worship of the Lord with the worship of Baal. And she was, she was a mad woman. Um, and she boldly threatened the life of Elijah for the defeat of what happened on the Mount Carmel, which we'll be talking about her, uh, later. Baal, her god, who she worshipped, was from the land of uh, Canaan. And he was uh, devoted to worship, people devoted to worship Baal, 
The Semitic work, Baal means Lord or Master. Semitic words mean, of Baal means Lord or Master. Yeah, we got the impression that she brought her gods, Baal and Asherah, from Sidon, which is a long ways away. So she tried to incorporate that in Israel. You're right. Instead of um, simulating with Israel, she had to, she actually brought in Baal to, to the worship of a pagan god. He also, worshipers believed him to have absolute control over nature and people. Baal was the principal deity of the land. It was he who was in charge of the dew, the rain, and the weather. And the man's spiritual the man's survival was dependent upon Baal's provision. So the, the people worshipped, a lot of people worshipped Baal because they needed rain and dew, and, um, and the crops would flourish. And so when the economy was good, everything was great. They continued to worship Baal and sort of forsook following the Lord. Now, I think, correct me if you think differently, that a lot of the folks had one foot here and one foot here. Maybe they were a little bit active in the Sabbath and the Lord, but they, they said, oh, man, we, want, we like this economy. We like to flourish. We like the greenness. And so they worshiped Baal and Asherah. Asherah was, we read about that a little bit. Uh, there was, uh, I think, 400 priests. Is that? 400 priests, yes. Ended up being 450. Yeah. And I guess there was a wooden monument, and I guess it was grotesque. Some, some say that it was a, um, a scene of a woman. Others th thought it was a sex symbol of some sort. But it was, it was very, um, very disdainful to Israel's godly people. And, and Asher was a, uh, a goddess. So she was a, uh, it was a, a woman god, a, a feminist god. Yeah, there's some sort of, yeah. Right. So that brings us up um, just a, l a little bit of where we're at and what's going on. Now, if you would turn to chapter 17, we're going to read one, one verse there, and then we're going to flip over to 18, and that's going to be our emphasis. Now, Elijah, the Tishbite, from Tishbe, of course, in Gilead said to Ahab, he's talking to the king now, as the Lord God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next years, except at my word. Now, he didn't he didn't exactly have a conversation. <laughs> he just came up to him point blank, and it took a certain amount of boldness. Now, he's coming before the king. And one of the, the king and the queen have not been necessarily nice to the Israeli people. But he says there's going to be no rain and no dew. Now, I'll flip over to 18. Now, we're skipping 17 because God took Elijah into hiding for almost three years. He went to, um, to a, a, like a creek or ravine and, and the ravens fed him bread every day, twice a day, I believe it is. And then uh, God said, move on. And he moved in, um, uh, with, with a widow that fed him. Uh, and he's gone for almost three years, which takes us up to, to 18. You can go back and read that sometime if you wish. But we're going to go kind of verse by verse and... Mm -hmm. You chime in if, if right. I'm wrong or you got something to say. <clears throat> After a long time, that was actually three years, we see. In the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. 
I was kind of curious, and we, didn't, we couldn't figure out how the word of the Lord came to him. Did Right. We don't know if it was a, a voice um, or how it, how it actually came to him, but most likely is, you know, how God is. He inner, innerly, we, we just, he leads and directs us as far as our feelings, yeah. uh, you know, the direction of how our heart is. That's usually how God will direct him. So probably it was like that. I said, go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on, on the land. Can you explain that a little bit? He goes to Ahab and said, if you repent, the implication there, if he repents, because it hasn't been the whole time yet, I'll send rain. Uh, and it appears that Ahab just turned around. and Right. And they were also, the people were warned by Moses, and you can find this back in Deuteronomy 11, 16, and 17, where that um, they were, Israel was warned that if uh, they didn't worship him, that God would get rid of the rain. So they were, they were warned about this. Matter of fact, don't, you don't have to hop there, but in Leviticus it says, after all this, you won't listen to me. I will punish you for your sins seven times over. I will break down your stubborn pride and make the sky above you like iron and the ground beneath you like bronze. So God had warned his people, if you don't behave, this is what's going to happen. And that's exactly what happened. Right. And you know, what I'd like to add in too is that we got, if you look at of what was going on at that point in time, you can kind of see what, what they're dealing with now. You know, us today, maybe not the drought, but, you know, we're, we're living fairly well. Mm-hmm. like they were at the time, you know. And uh, so you can kind of see, kind of look at, as we're reading this, look at the similarities of what they were facing and what we are facing now. Weather's always an issue. Um, out there in Alhambra, we're surrounded by farmers, and if I go into the restaurant in the morning, I see these guys saying, did you get your soybeans in? The field's so wet, I can't get to, you know. Weather's a big issue. And if you've got three years of a drought, it's going to be pretty tough, particularly if you're in a flourishing country. Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. And Ahab had summoned Obadiah. Now this is the king Ahab, and he's summoning Obadiah. And here's the story about Obadiah. He was the palace administrator. Got a comment on that? Uh, Well, his name means servant worshiper of Yahweh. So he was a believer. Yeah. And um, a lot of the rabbinical traditions and Orthodox Jews, they believe, that he, they believe that he was the one that wrote Obadiah the book in the Old Testament. But I don't think the, I don't think the time frame line up. Yeah. But. So the palace administrator means he was probably in charge of the day-to-day. I can't think of a, a comparison or a culture except... Um, a butler, of, a butler of a home, of a rich home. He took care of all the... Yeah, yeah. All, all, that's basically uh, what he did. I hear a commercial about a mechanic that does work out there, and he says, if you really want to know what's going on, call my secretary. She knows what's really going on. So he was the palace administrator. He took care of things. He was a devout believer in, in the Lord. I'm at verse 4. While Jezebel, remember that's his wife, was killing off the Lord's prophets... She had them in her sights. But Obadiah had taken the prophets and hidden them in two caves, 50 in each, and had supplied them with food and water. That might have been kind of a risky thing to do. 
he may have been getting the food from Ahab. Jezebel's killing people and he's trying to save them by putting 50 in each cave. So it's not it's all probably bad. food from the king's table that he was actually feeding, <laughs> yeah, yeah. feeding these guys. So maybe that wasn't exactly the best thing to do. Ahab had said to Obadiah, go through the land that we're splitting up, Ahab and Obadiah, uh, to the land of all the springs and valleys. Maybe we can find some grass to keep our horses and mules alive so we'll not have to kill our animals. I made a comment on this, but I think, I th I think Dale's right. I think he was concerned about the animals more than he was people. That's what I thought initially until you said. Right. Um, for, you know, you have to take care of your animals, because, uh, especially your horses, because that's what defended your, your country. So he probably had to take care of the horses before he would actually the people, because if it would be attacked by some other foreign force, his horses, his army would be uh, alive and strong. Verse 6. So they divided the land that they were to cover. Ahab going in one direction, Obadiah in another. We printed the scriptures on 8 by 10. <laughs> so, so we could see so them I better. I could read it. And <laughs> so while Obadiah was walking along, Elijah met him. It's a big country. I think that was God orchestrated that, that yeah. they met up. Obadiah recognized him and bowed down to the ground and said, is it re really you, my Lord, Elijah? So we, we see eh, Obadiah had respect for Elijah by uh, calling him uh, Lord or Master. And I believe he was, he was well known because Elijah was uh, probably the head prophet. So he was very well known. So he knew they, they, they had to know him. So once again, verse 8, Elijah doesn't miss, mince with word. He says, Yes, he replied. Go tell your master Elijah is here. Keep, keep it brief. <laughs> he did. What are you handing your servant over to Ahab to be put to death? Just as sure as the Lord your God lives, there's not a nation or a kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. And whenever a nation or kingdom claimed you were not there, he made them swear that they could not find you. And I, I would say at this point in time when they were looking, because you look at Jezebel had these, uh, was killing off all the prophets. And uh, so they probably knew that Elijah was still alive and they were looking for him. Yeah. So they were looking to kill him, really. But now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here? Don't you know where the Spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave you? Well, they, he believed that the Spirit of the Lord moved him away three years because they couldn't find him. And he's afraid that that's going to happen again. If I go to tell Ahab he doesn't, um, he doesn't find you, he'll kill me. Yet I, your servant, have worshipped the Lord since my youth. A bit of a testimony, I guess. He, he, I don't know if he's bragging here or not. He says, haven't you heard, my Lord, what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord? I had a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves, 50 in each, and supplied them with food and water. And now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah's here? He's going to kill me. He's in a tough spot. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm going to pick it up in 15. Once again, Elijah, a few words Elijah said, As the Lord Almighty lives, 
whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. We see that he had reverence for the Lord God Almighty here. And he said, I serve him. I'm nobody special. I'm a, I'm a servant of the Lord God Almighty. And I will present myself to Ahab today. That's a pretty bold thing to do. <laughs> Especially if prophets weren't being respected very much. Right. And, and uh, he probably, I would imagine he believed Elijah at this point, knowing that he was a prophet and, he's, and he served God. So I would, I would imagine that when... Uh, that he knew that uh, God would take care of him as far as, mm -hmm. you know, of who Elijah was and who was sending him. So, yeah. In this particular chapter, we see Elijah is a hero, but he had some low points, if you want to read on next, next, next timer. Um, but, but here comes the part that I get excited about. This is Mount Carmel. I wanted to say Carmel, but I think it's Carmel. Yeah, I is think that so. how you pronounce it? Carmel. Oh. Carmel. <laughs> So Ahab went, or excuse me, Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him uh, that he went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, "Is that you, troubler of Israel?" Any comment on that? Uh, well, just that when Elijah seen him, he he probably was more interested in uh, trying to solve the problem, yeah. knowing that they didn't have any rain, and he wasn't looking at probably killing him. He was. He, you know, three years with, without any rain or dew, he was probably more or less saying, you know, uh, let's solve this problem. Yeah. Do you, do you know any Hebrew? No, I don't. I don't know any Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what you get today. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the footnotes said Trubber was, was like a fool who uh, embarrassed the whole community. That's what he called him. He called him a troubler uh, because the ground is dried up. It's in a drought. And, and, he, and then if you look, well, the next one was that Elijah was quick to reply that it wasn't his fault. Yeah. Uh, Elijah was quick to reply uh, to clear up the issue that the drought wasn't his fault. It was the result of Ahab's failure to acknowledge God and, his, and allowing Israel to be in the state that they were in. Yeah. But you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. And, and I think Dale covered the Baals. Yes. Verse 19 is where we're at. Now some of the people far all over Israel to meet on Mount Carmel. Uh, this is the plan. This is the, the people's sin. So it's come together. Now we can read this, the whole thing, in about six or seven minutes. But to gather all the people over Israel, that had to take some time. This, this, this may have, I don't know how long. Could have been a week. Could have been longer to gather the people together. It's the people's problem, and Elijah wants to confront everybody. Mm -hmm. And bring 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah, all who eat at Jezebel's table. Right. Uh, Elijah is going up against all these prophets and it's just him. So in God's perspective, or in our perspective, that's, you know, that's unheard of. You're outnumbered, you know, all this to one, mm -hmm. but um, nothing's impossible with God. So being outnumbered 400, 450 to one, yeah. that are not very good odds. 
He says he's the only prophet, and, and Pastor Bill made comment about that. There were other prophets we know in the cave, so I don't know if he was he was trying to preserve uh, Obadiah's reputation. Or, or he also or, could be. Or there's another meaning we don't know. Right. About. Uh, my my suggestion would be he's probably all these guys are hiding, but he's the boldest one standing yeah, he's out. He's the only one that could very well be. So he feels like he's sense. alone. And assemble the prophets on Mount Carmel. Verse 21, Elijah went before the people and said, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? That's kind of the crux of things. How long are you going to waver between two opinions? Cubs or Cardinals? <laughs> Choose the right one. <laughs> good, good decisions, sometimes bad decisions. I'd, I'd like to say that doesn't apply to us. <laughs> but we do waver, do we not? From opinions, sometimes we one foot in our culture that's comfortable, and, um, uh, and and still serving the Lord. That's up up to you to decide. Mike said something uh, profound when we a lot of things, but when we were getting together, he said um, we were talking about we don't want to look like a buffoon up here because this is not something we've done and just different. And he said. All we need to do is just read the scripture. Let God take care of it. <laughs> and that's, that's true. Read it for yourself. Find out what God has to say. We'll give you our opinions, and that a dime will get you. Right. 50 cents will get you a cup of coffee. But God's word is what? <laughs> we could just Absolutely. read that, and that's all, we, that's all we need to do. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. God doesn't like double-minded people. Yeah. You know, you're not going to be blessed having your foot in both camps. So there's no blessings there. Why would, it, why would they say nothing? I don't know. Somebody got an opinion? We do know at this point in time, out of all of uh, Israel, there was only uh, roughly 7,000 people actually following Yahweh, following yeah. God of, yeah. of Israel. All the rest were actually following Baal. I don't know how big the city was at the time, but I would imagine they were probably one of the biggest in the region. So only 7,000 out of all of it uh, that were serving God. Mm -hmm. So the odds are not very good there either. It's so neat because my brother loves numbers. You've heard him talk about it before. And I love words. And we love each other and we love this church and, and uh, the, the work that we see God doing here. Verse uh, 22. Then Elijah said to them, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. What's the significance of a bull? A bull sacrifice was, uh, it was a sin offering, and it was uh, to atone the sin of the people. So they, that's why they used the bull sacrifice. Okay. Let the Baal's prophet choose one for themselves. It gives them first choice. That's always... And, and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but don't set fire to it. I'll prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. So he's doing a visualization here. He's bringing the people together, the prophets, the people from Israel. We don't know how many that was. Um, and he's cutting, doing a, getting ready to do a, a sacrifice. Right, and he's... Kind of doing, a, if you look at it, it's in a competition. Yeah. Is what he's doing. He's, he's uh, competing 
against Baal. You know, God of Israel, God of Baal. So it's going to be clear of, of a choice to follow. Yeah, exactly. I, I do want to mention, too, about Mount Carmel. We was talking about that, and I, yeah. I was going to say this. Uh, Jewish believers, uh, they look at that as that's where God speaks to them. Okay? They would go to mountain, mountaintops to get the revelation of God. Uh, the pagan worshipers, they built altars there, and that's where they worship God. Uh, the Jewish uh, Christian people don't uh, work, you know, they w didn't worship on top of the mountains. They, that, that's where they went to see. You know, you heard that where Christians say they, you have a mountaintop experience. Uh, well, that's what, where it comes from. They have the mountaintop experience, and then after the experience, they come down, and usually it's a prophetic message that they give to the people. I was wanting to throw that in. I forgot to throw that in while it was on Good. Mount Good. Carmel. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you did. Uh, verse 24, then you call on the name of your God, I'll call the name of the Lord. Whoever answers by fire is God. I guess that sounds reasonable, huh? Then all the people said, what you say is good. They were quiet, and they said, yeah, 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 this is, this is a good competition. Let's see what happens. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bowls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you, at least 450 from Baal and maybe right. 400 from Asherah, right. maybe. Call on the name of your God, but don't light the fire. So they took the bowl given them and prepared it. Then they called the name of Baal from morning till noon. I think we tried to decide how many hours that might have been. Well, we're not really for sure, but they usually use from sun up. Their day started, or uh, as toward the end of their day, really. Yeah. Is, uh, so maybe so, four to six hours. Right. Baal answered us, they shouted. There was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. You going to say something about dance? No. No. Okay. So he says, you see the scene now. You got all these people around, and they're, I don't know what kind of dance that is. I don't think it was a jitterbug. But, um, and so they're, they're carrying on. They're and, doing anything to try to get God, their God, Baal, to answer. So they're doing all the, everything they can to try to get him to, you know, hey, Come and answer us, you know. Yeah, they they were doing anything they can. So he begins to uh, taunt them. He says, shout louder. That's one thing. He said, surely he's God. Perhaps he's deep in thought. Or busy. One interpretation said, man, meant that they were on the, he was on a toilet. <laughs> I don't know. Relieving himself? <laughs> That's just an opinion. <laughs> Doesn't say it. Or maybe he's traveling. Or maybe he's sleeping. He just needs to be awakened. And so, this is quite a scene. He's probably getting people pretty stirred up. Uh, I can see the Israeli people say, yeah, 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 you tell them. The Baal people said, no, we're working at it, we're dancing. And I imagine the, the prophets of Baal were, pretty, were sweating pretty, <laughs> yeah. pretty hard at this point in time. <laughs> so they were getting desperate. So they shouted louder slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. Uh, the cutting themselves was a um, 
It was a common practice back then that they would cut themselves. Uh, it was forbidden in the Jewish, you know, cutting yourself was forbidden in the Levitical uh, law. But for the pagans, they would cut themselves, and it was a form of self-sacrifice. And they would cut themselves and to do anything to try to get God to answer them. So they'd cut themselves, and uh, hopefully that the self-sacrifice, God would, Baal would answer. Mm. Um, and, I, you know, I, I was looking at, uh, as today, you know, these, what they were fighting, the spiritual battles they were fighting back then, is the same spirits that we are fighting now. Because we, we hear of, of our youth that slashed themselves and cut themselves. So you can, you can actually see the same spirit rearing his ugly head now is what happened back then. So they were fighting the same spirit. Well said. Verse 29. Midday passed. That might have been about 3 p.m. I don't know. And they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. They came to him and repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. So, once again, get the scene. He's, he's saying, back row, move forward. Everybody come up here. I want, you to, I want you to see what's going on. I want you to hear what we've got to say. Right. And the, the sacrifices, the Jewish people would sacrifice us two times in a day. They'd sacrifice in the morning, and then they'd sacrifice in the evening, which the evening usually, at this point in time, was about 3 o'clock. Yeah. And this is been almost a whole day. Right, whole day of uh, trying to get God to speak. Yeah. So they would sacrifice, and the, the sacrifice was actually a gift to God, and it was like appointed time for them to come and talk to God. And um, usually, I think it was a lamb, I think they would, they would sacrifice in the morning and the evening. But it was basically a gift and a time to come and speak. You can find that in Exodus 29, 38 through 46, where it talks about the morning and evening sacrifices. Yeah. You want to read 31 there? Okay, 31. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. <laughs> this is Dale, Steve, and FBC. God's talking to us. We don't have 12 stones, because I don't have 12 stones. <laughs> right. With stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and dug a trench around it, large enough to hold two... Uh, Sela? Selahs. It's like four gallons worth of, of some, right. a trench. He arranged the wood, cut the bull in two pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them... No bull. <laughs> then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water, and pour it on the offering on the wood. Okay. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> kind of scared you guys. <laughs> Lonnie was thinking, uh oh, what's he going to do here? <laughs> uh, do it again, he said. And they did it again. Do it a third time. He ordered, and they did it a third time. When Steve mentioned about numbers, um, I think, well, God moves, he speaks through numbers, okay? It's just a, a, a sure way of showing that God, it's another way, of, another reading the word, it's like a, uh, that God will speak and show his words. 
We might not understand what's, what numbers mean when we read the book, when we read the Bible, but I assure you that they knew what numbers meant back mm -hmm. then. And uh, the number three, well, there's a 12 stones. There's, the number three symbolizes a triune nature of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, it represents completeness. So three meant completeness. Uh, it is of four spirit, it's the first of four spiritual perfect numbers. Three, seven, ten, and twelve. If you look at it, twelve is already twelve tribes, so there's, there's meaning behind this. Basically, I would say the, the uh, number three uh, was it was complete. Okay? When he did this, uh, it was complete. It was done. It was finished. He was, you know, showing that three is perfect. Um, it took two, to, two people to convict a person, but if you had a third witness, here we go, it's the third time this is happening, uh, it would firmly prove the matter to be true. Good. I told you he was a number guy. He, got, he has it straight there. So. Okay, wanna, wanna 35. Yep. The water ran down around the altar and filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, Prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. All right. Elijah doesn't act superior. He says, I'm, I'm your servant, uh, and I'm just doing what God said. Now, we've had a lot of rain, and at the Hamsh compound up that way with uh, all the families, uh, they love s'mores all through the summer. They would love it every, every night. And if you've ever gone out after it's rained and tried to get a campfire going with wet wood, you got a challenge. And that's, that's where we're at here. What was it 12, 12, it was, it was, uh, 12 buckets? We, we figured it was um, three times he did it, yeah. okay, with four jars yeah. of water. So he did it three times, so that's 12, which is another perfect number. <laughs> um, but he did it, so it was actually was 12 jars of water poured on this, this fire, or this altar. By reasoning, if you look at it, it ain't going to start. It's not <laughs> no. going to start. He, the illustration's got to be, you know, the trenches is full of water. And the, verse 37, answer me, Lord, answer me. Why? So these people will know that you are Lord and God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Turning their hearts back again. Their hearts were the issue, uh, perhaps with sin or um, neglect, or, which is probably a sin. And, and then through his, his faithfulness and prayer yeah. um, that Elijah did, I believe that's, that's where he, he knew that God was going to show up to answer. Because he's, he's seen God in, in the past. So he knew God was going to show up to answer. That's what gave him his boldness. Verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and licked up the water in a trench. Now if you can get a visual on that, I, I can't even wrap my little mind around what, what that was like. You know, um, Whether it was... I don't know, lightning or fire or whatever. It had to be pretty powerful. And um, wow. It, well, it tells me when God shows up, he, he shows up. <laughs> and he makes it known that he is God. Yeah. 
You want to read 39 there? Okay, uh, 39. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate on the, and cried. They were down like this. Prostrate, flat on the ground, flat. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. They, they couldn't, when they seen this, they couldn't believe it themselves. Just like yeah. us, if something like that happened, we're like, wow. He is God. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let any of them get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to Kishon Valley and slaughtered them there. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is sound of heavy rain. Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, then down to the ground, and put his face between the knees, which is a humble position. Um, as he as he's thanking God or worshiping God or, or praying for rain. Go look towards the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there. He said seven times, Elijah, go back. Seven? Seven is another number. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, you can, see, you can see how God intertwines numbers uh, through his message just to prove that he is God. So yeah. these numbers, like I said, the Jewish people knew, they knew the numbers. They knew all this stuff. So they knew what seven meant, what all these numbers meant. The seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand raising from the sea. If I'm driving along, I see a little hand. I think, you know, a little cloud. I think of this passage all the time. It's maybe a way God uh, waking me up. So Elijah said, go tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. For what I read is that um, Ahab was at the capital, but they had a, a sub-capital or a country home that, that he, would, he would go to in, I don't know, if it was a remote site or a vacation, I don't know. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. <clears throat> Now, this, the, the rain, I would say this would be probably the final proof. You know, the, they, they seen what happened during the altar, and that would, the rain, as the rain showing up, that's the final proof of that God was true and Baal was false. The power of the Lord came in Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Tucking his cloak means he had his, his running garb on. And um, I think you had a, a thought of why he was... Yeah, I, I believe that... Um, I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget it. I believe he was empowered by the hand of God uh, to outrun the, the best horses in the land. So, uh, so he was empowered by God because this was 25 miles that he had to run. And he beat the horses, which is the best horses in the country. Mm. Ahab's horses, probably his horse was the best. So um, he ran these 25 miles, another example of Elijah being supernaturally strengthened by the Spirit of God to do a, a miraculous feat. Um, an, another, an additional opinion is that uh, oftentimes a king would have someone run ahead of him um, just to, to scout to make sure there was nothing wrong. Right, and, and I, I, I don't know if he was super, I believe he ran this to show oh, it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, there's other places in the Bible where they were supernaturally here and then over there. And I know uh, Elijah had some of them instances happen, if you read further on Elijah's life, that 
Um, I can't think of an axe when one of them, uh, can't think of it right now, but <laughs> when, when, it was, when they were here at one point and then they showed up somewhere else in another, another area, supernaturally placed. Mm -hmm. So I believe Elijah had some of them experiences in his life too. Yeah. That covers the chapter. I hope you'll read on because Elijah gets in a funk a little later on and then God restores him and then he gets, he doesn't die. He gets lifted up into, directly into heaven. Um, and so read ahead. Right, and that's where I, where I was saying that some people believe that Elijah is, if you read in the Revelation in chapter 11, uh, there's going to be two witnesses coming in the end. And uh, since Elijah didn't die, I believe he's going to be one of the one the witnesses that's going to yeah. come back in the end times. And you can read that in chapter 11. Um, but uh, on Ahab and Jezebel, if you read ahead, uh, the prophetic word on Ahab and Jezebel was that Ahab was going to die and the dogs are going to lick his blood. That happened. Uh, and that Jezebel, that uh, her body would be torn apart by dogs, that prophetic, prophetically, that happened. She, was, she ended up dying by, and then her dogs just tore her bones apart. Um, they never changed. And uh, God rewards a meek and merciful, humble person. Uh, while cutthroat go-getters like Jezebel, they reap the results of their enmity with God. So that's their demise of their end was showed that they didn't ever turn their life over to God. Yeah. Elijah, uh, as I was doing this study, uh, that even, even in a drought, times of, you know, you know like when we're, we don't know, we might be in, in bad times, we don't know what's going on, but even in drought, that, that God will show up and keep you through. I'm not sure, you know, even, uh, you know, bad times in life, bad times in the nation. The nation could be doing bad like what was happening there. The nation was going through a drought, but Elijah still was provided by God. Amen. So as our custom, we're going to close in prayer, and then we'll um, move towards the end. Thank you for Elijah. Thank you for... Uh, his faithfulness, but most of all, thank you for yourself, the way that you sh show yourself to match what the people need, what we need. So we thank you for the illustration of learning from him, and we pray that you be praised as we walk day to day, minute to minute, through our lives, through wherever you may take us. Help us have the, your strength, and may we make correct decisions. May we not waver between two. And may we be faithful to you. Amen.